Oh. All right, so as we start this morning, I want us to focus, take your note sheet out, and I want you to look at that verse right there at the top of your note sheet. I want to remind us of this. This was a great reminder this week for me. John 21, 25, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. I want us to think about that. I love to think about that because the whole world, would, the, the situations, the relationships, the principles, the, the conclusions that we have here in our Bible, God has determined that this is what we need, but we need to remember that it's not just the, uh, the, the power of Jesus and, and all of the situations that he was in were, are, are not limited to this, to what we have in our Bibles. There were so many more. What we have here is really just a fraction of his life on the earth. Every situation and teaching and conversation Jesus had that we will be looking at in, on Sunday mornings, and they'll be different actually in your Bible studies uh, during the week, uh, were meant for us today. Were meant for us here, now. There's something that God wants us to learn and get connected to so that we can live the kind of life that he wants us to live. I've said this before, but I believe that Jesus lived the most attractive and uh, life that has ever been lived on the earth. He had the most joy. He had the most fulfillment. He lived life in the right way, and we are attracted to it. We are drawn to that. And he lived that kind of life so that he could offer that kind of life to us. So as we look at these accounts over the next six weeks and in our small groups, we aren't just looking at what happened in Jesus' life. Hey, here's this piece of information. Here are these facts about Jesus, the Savior of the world. But how does that affect your life and mine? How does that then be applied in my life on an everyday basis? What does he want to do in our life? This morning, we're going to look at a couple interactions that Peter, the Apostle Peter, had with Jesus. And in both of these, we learn where, uh, where faith comes from. How do we get faith in our life? How did, how did you get faith in your life? How do we begin faith, this relationship with Jesus Christ? How does it start? Well, Peter, we know, was a fisherman. So his life was all about boats and fishing. I mean, he was the expert. He did it every day. It was his livelihood. And many of us here this morning and listening online, and, and maybe it's today, maybe it's right now, maybe it's later this evening. That's another thing. If you ever miss church, you can actually subscribe to our podcast like my daughter does. She gets it on her phone and listens to it. Um, and I know when she's listening to it because I always get text messages. Um, I know you didn't say my name today, but you gave it away when you said she or whatever. Um, we're also now posting on our website. You can go there, and before you could listen to it, but now you can actually watch it on our website. It takes usually part of the day, Sunday, to get it up there, or sometimes it's even Monday, but we're going to try in the next few weeks and the next month or two for sure to get that up by Sunday night so that if, if it fails and you can't get connected to Facebook or ours falls apart here on Sunday morning or our Internet is down, um, you can get to it and not miss a Sunday. Um, this is great stuff. But, but so Peter was a fisherman. He was the expert. Now, each one of us, 
We are experts in our field in some way, shape, or form. Maybe that's being a mother or a father or, or a banker or a teacher or an instructor or, or whatever that particular thing is, a farmer. And what we need to understand is that in all that we do, Jesus meets us there. You don't have to just go to church to have Jesus meet you. He can meet us anywhere, and that's exactly what he does with Peter. Two things I want us to look at. You see the main points in your notes this morning. First of all, how do we receive faith? Well, the simple answer to that is Jesus gets in your boat. Jesus gets in your boat. That's where it starts. He gets into our life. And then second, how do we continue in that faith once we receive it? What's what's next after that? We're going to see that once he gets in our boat, it's almost like then, it's it's almost like a mother bird um, uh, in a nest. Uh, She has you, she has us in the nest, and then what does she do as the little birds grow up? She pushes them out. She doesn't want them to stay in the nest. And that's another thing that Jesus does. Once he gets in our boat and there's that relationship, he begins then to push us out of the boat. And we're going to look at that this morning. So first of all, Jesus gets into your boat. Now, as we walk through these on Sunday mornings, and you're going to see in your small groups, um, there's going to be some video clips from the, from the movie, The Son of God. And, and let's, in fact, watch one of those right now, hopefully. Do you need help? I'm not looking for any help. And besides, there's nothing to help with. Hey! You can't just climb into my boat. Yeah, you're right. What do you think you're doing? We're going fishing. There are no fish out there this time of day. In fact, there are no fish out here any time of day. Peter. Just give me an hour, and I will give you a whole new life. Who says I want one? I'm telling you, there's no fish out there.
How did this happen? What did you do? I'm giving you the chance to change your life. Peter, come with me. Give up catching fish and I will make you a fisher of men. What are we gonna do? Change the world. If that didn't give you goosebumps, I don't know what will. I love that line. Change the world. He did. And, and I don't know if you noticed, but Peter wasn't, and again, this is a theatrical presentation of the account, okay? So there's some liberty taken in, in the details here. But in, we're going to see Peter gets into his boat. I mean, Jesus gets into his boat. Peter didn't necessarily want Jesus in his boat. And many of us, I think at times, we don't necessarily want Jesus in our boat. Uh, we're going we're gonna, to, I, I, I'm going to try and get through this. I have, I have so much stuff here. Um, what, so Jesus got into Peter's boat. Jesus got into Paul's boat on the road to Damascus. There was a miraculous thing. Jesus appeared before Paul um, and he got into his boat. What does it mean for Jesus to get into your boat? How does he get there, or how did he get there? We, we talk a lot about that in church. We use phrases like uh, entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ, or, or committing our life to Christ, or surrendering our lives to Jesus. But how does it happen? It's very much a process that people go through. You, you usually don't just wake up one morning and out of the blue say, um, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Now, I'm not minimizing the power of God and his ability to do that. If he wants to change your life that way, he's going to change your life that way. I kind of feel like Paul, although Paul knew a lot, there was, he was still going through a process. For most of us, it's a process. And Peter is a perfect example of this process in this situation. There's four steps in this. Uh, in Peter's case, they all happen in one day. <laughs> Uh, some of us, for many of us, it takes longer. Maybe you, as you listen or watch, are still in the middle of this process. Uh, so we're going to walk through them. And as we walk through these four steps, what I want you to ask yourself is, where am I right now in these stages of commitment? I'm going to call them stages of commitment. So first there's interest. Okay, Peter lets Jesus take him fishing. Now, if you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, we're going to look at this account as recorded by, by Luke. A little different than the way that they portrayed it here. Uh, Luke chapter 5, I want to begin reading, and you could turn there in your Bible, grab one from in front, open up your Bible app, because we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 for half of the message this morning. Reading verses 3 and 4, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus entered into Peter's life. Peter wasn't seeking him. He wasn't looking for him. Jesus took the first step. Jesus got into his boat on the Sea of Galilee. He connects with them. That's what Jesus does. He connects with us where we are. 
He comes to your business. He comes to your family. He comes to the relationship that you have. Something. He comes to something that you have where you notice Him there. He comes to your hobby or sport that you love, some relationship that you have, and you start noticing Him, and you get divinely interested. You may not recognize it's a divine interest, but you begin to be interested. You get interested in the Bible. You begin to ask questions. You, be, you begin to be willing to ask other people these questions instead of hiding this curiosity that you have. You get interested in thinking about things about God. You've never been interested before, but for some reason, you're interested now. In fact, you may have been opposed before. You did everything you could to avoid it or not talk about it or say it's a bunch of bunk. But for some reason, now, you're interested. Or you were just too busy before. Notice Peter does not have a faith here yet. This is the first contact. He's just interested. He doesn't believe Jesus is going to catch him any fish, in fact. He's the expert, right? He knows what he's doing. But he is curious by now. He wants to check this thing out. What, what is he going to do? If you're in church right now or watching online or listening, you're probably interested. Jesus has entered your boat. He is piquing your interest. The Holy Spirit is moving in your life. Or maybe you're just here because you're sitting next to somebody that's cute and they invited you to come. Right? I mean, maybe we've all been there at one point in time or or other. But again, here, here's the thought. Why were you willing to come? There's more than just the attraction to this other person. There's more than just, an, if you invite somebody to the Easter service, for instance, somebody that for years you thought, no way they would be interested, and you invite them and they come, it's not just because you invited them, it's because Jesus is calling them. He's bringing them along. He's getting into their boat. After that step, then there's this amazing thing that happens. Right? And sometimes it comes quickly, sometimes it takes some time. The second step is revelation. You see, Peter gets a huge catch of fish, and now he's wondering how on earth did this happen. Jesus clearly revealed something to him. We experience God's revealing that there really is something to this. At first, it was just an interest. I thought, I'm, it's a curiosity. I wonder about this. But now, now you have seen something in your life that points to the fact that this is, this is something that's real. This is not just an Aesop's fable here. This, this is real. Something surprising happens. Look at verses 5 uh, through 7 here. Simon answered, Master... We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, right? I'm the expert. We're not going to catch anything. But then he says this, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Again, I'm curious about this now. You have said this. I'm wondering what's going to happen. I'm interested. I trust you enough to have you in my boat. When they had done so, when they had let down their nets, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. 
So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. It was an aha moment for Peter. Could you imagine? I mean, a lot of you guys go fishing, right? Let's say you were fishing and you were on gray rocks all day long and you come in and it's like, that was a waste of a day. And some man comes to the shore and, and you know, kind of comes and climbs in your boat and says, hey, let's go out and give it another shot. What are you thinking? Yeah, right. And let's say he takes you out there and, and finds the spot or just out in the middle where you were fishing before and all of a sudden you just start catching fish left and right. I mean, aren't you going to be wondering what happened? I mean, do you have some special information into when the barometric pressure was going to change? That's where Peter is at. There is this aha moment. There's some success that happens or happened in your life. Uh, and you wonder, you say to yourself, I don't deserve this, I didn't deserve this, I don't understand uh, why God wants to be a part of my life right now, but you recognize there's something surprising that happened in your life to point to the fact that what you're thinking and, and what somebody is telling you is absolutely the real deal and it's true. God uses lots of aha moments in our life, a phrase that somebody says, a Bible verse from someone, something you hear in a song, something you hear on the radio. Something you hear in a sermon. Aha, wow, I didn't see that before. There's something I've, I've been missing. This revelation comes after the curiosity and it's guided by the Holy Spirit. That's the second step in these stages of faith. Or maybe you've been healed by something and you go, wow, that, I mean, I've had sickness before and I've, been, I've had injuries before, but there was just something about this that's just, just, it was just divine. Now this next step, and I think this is an important one for, for all of us who are listening, but especially for those who haven't taken that next step of belief yet. I, I think it's, most under, it's one of the most misunderstood steps. So they think maybe I'm not the person who is supposed to have faith because I, I'm feeling this, because I'm thinking this, and it's this, fear. Fear. You see, Peter tells Jesus to leave him. Um, look at verses 8 and 9. When, Peter, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. You see, Peter had this moment of revelation. He realized that Jesus was powerful and divine. He realized how holy Jesus was, and he recognized how sinful he was and unrighteous he was, and, and his reaction was, you just need to get away from me. How many people do you know who that, who, who maybe the fear or the, 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 the reason they're resisting is because they actually realize that Jesus is who he said he is, and they recognize who they are. And their response is, I've got to get as far away of the, uh, from this as I possibly can, because these two things don't go together. If you've had that response as you've been considering faith in Christ, you are not alone. There are lots of people that have felt this way. 
We see it right here in Peter's life. In fact, honestly, it's the right response, right? Jesus is who he said he is. He's holy. He's righteous. He's God. And here's me. It's the natural human response because he is God and we are not. Now, there's a couple instances in the Old Testament that I just want to point out this morning. Uh, Moses, for instance, when he uh, came upon the burning bush, you might remember the conversation that he had with God. Well, Moses' first response was not to talk. If we look at uh, chapter 3, verse 6 of, of Exodus here, we see his response. At this, Moses did what? Hid his face. Why? Because he was afraid to look at God because he knew who he was and who God was. Isaiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, goes to the temple and has this vision of the greatness and the holiness of God. What's his first response? It's recorded in Isaiah 6.5. Woe to me, I am ruined. He recognized his sinfulness. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. If you felt afraid to take the next step, it doesn't mean that faith is not for you. It doesn't mean that God's going to wipe you out. It, it means that you recognize that God is God and you're not. And that's a good thing. That's a good place to be, to recognize that. Because myself and you are certainly not holy, and he is. So there's this fear, there's this hesitation, but we all need to hear, especially those who are afraid to take that next step, what Jesus said to Peter. Look at it in response in verse 10. He says to Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. I, again, I love that line. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change the world. And it, it's almost like, and I'm starting with you, Peter. It's not about who you are or what you've done in your life. It's about who God is and what he's done. That we need to remember. He came in the person of Jesus Christ and he got close to us. And, and just like he came right up to Peter's boat that day and got in, he's coming to each and every one of us. And he's saying to you, I know who you are. In that clip, he calls him by the name Peter. And in the clip, it's like Peter was surprised that he knew his name. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus knew everything about her. Several times he, he points out to to people that he interacts with that he knows things that that they know that he shouldn't know if he's just a normal guy because he wasn't jesus came in the person of jesus christ he says i know who you are i know what you've been through i know what you're experiencing right now you know what but it doesn't matter i want to forgive what you've done i want to get into your boat just like he said to Simon Peter, from now on, you're going to be a fisher of men, fishing for people. It's, it, so it's also about the purpose that God has for your life, the purpose that God has for me. There is a purpose. We do have a purpose. 
And there's hope in knowing that we have a purpose. He says, I'm going to make something out of your life that you just can't even imagine. I know that today my life is something that I couldn't even have imagined when I first surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. That's what helps us get through that moment of fear. We realize him saying, or we hear him saying, don't be afraid. I have a purpose for you. I love you even as you are. And then we step out in faith. That's the next uh, step. Faith. Peter follows Jesus. So as you break through that moment of fear and hesitation and, and, and worry and anxiousness about this, this faith thing, this, what you're feeling and what you're, what you're thinking and what you're understanding, the, the fourth step in this process is faith itself. It's trusting Jesus. For Peter, it meant to, to literally follow Jesus. Um, he said yes to Jesus, Luke 5, 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed Jesus. Walked away from their families and their livelihood and followed Jesus. There was this moment of this literally changes everything. And we all come to that point in our life when we finally surrender our life to Jesus Christ. It's like this, this changes everything. When, when you hear the two words in the form of a question, marry me, you know that's a certainly an aha moment, right? But you know that the answer you give to that question is going to change your life forever. There's this why in the road. There's this path or there's this path. Those two words of Jesus are, are similar. It's a why in the road. When Jesus says, follow me, the answer is yes or no. Are you going to say yes or are you going to say no? And, and this is an even greater why in the road because it goes all the way through eternity not just in this world today. Follow me. So what does that mean, to follow Jesus? Well, it was obvious to Peter. Jesus was alive, and he's in human flesh for those years of ministry, so he literally followed him for the next three years. But the Bible tells you and me to follow Jesus too. So what does that mean for us? It means that we trust him. It means that we trust him with the bad in our life and the good in our life. The wrong things that we've done, the sin that we've committed, instead of trusting ourselves to make all the right decisions and, and, and to do enough good to somehow outscale and outweigh the bad that we've done and the bad that we think in our life, we trust Jesus, not some sort of religious thing, but wondering and recognize, recognizing that Jesus is doing something otherworldly, other outside of, of, of reason and logic as I think about it and as we think about it. I mean, how in the world could he do that? How in the world could Jesus Christ accept someone like me who's done these things and done these things and had those thoughts and still have some of those thoughts? How on earth could he do that? Well, because he's perfect. And he loves us. So we trust what Jesus did for us. The gift that he gives us is forgiveness. 
That's why he died on the cross. That penalty he took on himself was what we deserved. He paid the price for our sin. We could trust him. We say, I trust you, please forgive me. Maybe some of you are right at that point today. You, you, you have enough knowledge and, and you, you've been interested and you've seen some divine things, but, but you haven't said, okay, I believe. I, 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 I put my, my life, the rest, the rest of my life in your hands, Jesus. Maybe that's the point you're at, and my prayer is that as you hear what God is speaking to you through this and you, you understand that this fear isn't, isn't something that you should define as faith is not for me, but this fear is something that you should define as logical. A holy and just God is asking me to believe and know that he says, come follow me. Uh, one of the ways in which we can communicate to, to Jesus this, this faith, this trust, this step is in just communicating to him through through a prayer, saying, I, I need you. I believe that what you are telling me is true. And I just, um, uh, I just, want, to, uh, I just want to say a prayer here. I'm not going to pray it. I'm just going to say it. Um, this is sort of a description of what it might look like. And again, it's not the words. It could be different for every person, shaped differently in a different order, that sort of thing. But I just, just want you to think about this. If you, Jesus, knowing I need to take that step of faith, just say to me right now, um, give me the strength to do this. Uh, say this, Jesus, I, I trust you. I trust, that, I, I trust you with the bad in my life. I trust you for forgiveness of the sin I've committed, the wrong things I've done. Instead of trying to make it right on my own, I trust the gift of forgiveness that you've given me. I also want to trust you with the good in my life. I, I want to trust you with the leadership you want to give me for the purpose that you've made me for, for the person that you want to make me to be. Jesus, I surrender myself to you in this relationship that you're calling me to. Fill me. Send me your Holy Spirit. I believe yes, without a shadow, that you were God. And your death on that cross paid the price for me and my sin. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's what it might look like. So, okay, now let's say that you, you've taken that step. And now here you are standing, Jesus is standing in your boat. Now, what does that feel like? What does that look like? I mean, at first it may seem strange. You may wonder, was it real? Did it really happen? But you're going to find that as Jesus begins to teach you and shape you, it's going to be just, honestly, amazing. I mean, Jesus is your friend. It's, it's an awesome thing. But we also need to realize that the, the real life of faith then at that moment is when Jesus starts to say, I want you to get out of the boat. I'm going to start stretching you. I'm going to start teaching you and shaping you and molding you. From the very beginning, he said 
to Peter, I'm getting, I'm going to get you out of this boat. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Jesus was up front with that, honestly. We're not going to stay in the safe place, Peter. This isn't, for, this isn't about your comfort. Your, our purpose is not about our comfort. It's about what Jesus wants to do with us on this place, on this planet. And, and he wants to change the world. Now, let's look at another event. Matthew in, is recorded in Matthew chapter 14. Another one with Peter. Probably familiar. I'm not going to show this clip this morning for, for time's sake. Um, Matthew 14, 24 through 33. Here is where we see Jesus walking on the water. Now, talk about holy, freak you out, right? How unnatural is that? A human being walking on the water. I mean, it's, 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 an, it's a miracle that I guarantee you probably would have taken your breath away had you seen it live. I mean, it'd be cool to walk in a pool, wouldn't it? Go down to the local pool, go over to Torrington, say, hey, watch this. You step down off the edge of the pool onto the water, you walk across, right? You get up on the other side, you're not even wet, pat the bottoms at your feet. I mean, would people be impressed? I'm not so sure they wouldn't freak out and leave. Seriously, right? That's what Jesus does. Look at Matthew 14, 24, and 26. And the the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At first, they don't understand what's going on. There is this, I mean, is it, it, it's not just a trick. Jesus was walking there. Now, Jesus never did miracles to show off like I would do. Um, There was always something to be taught from what Jesus was doing. And so he teaches them. What, what, What is he trying to teach us here with his walking on this water? I mean, one of the things I think he's doing, he's stretching us, he's challenging us to a new and different faith in life, recognizing that he is absolutely divine and above everything that we think and know. When Jesus gets us out of our boat, that means we actually leave our place of security and take steps of faith. So the first kind of faith is this. So we already put up Jesus gets you out of the boat, right? Good. So the first kind of faith is this, faith to get out of the boat, to actually get out of the boat. Uh, But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. I mean, Peter's seen Jesus be an expert fisherman. He's probably, he's seen other miracles. So Peter's like, well, let's just, You know, see if this is really Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Come, get on down out of there and come over here with me, Peter. I mean, Peter had been a fisherman all his life and he knew that the safest place on a a lake with wind and waves was where? In the boat. 
And Jesus says, come, come out of the boat. So he goes over the side. He left the security of the boat. That's the first step of faith. It's leaving a place of comfort and security and trusting God instead. Um, there's a lot of ways that can happen in our life. It can happen relationally. Uh, your, your place of security, maybe, maybe your place of security when you're having an argument might be to never go to that person and ask them for forgiveness because they might say no. They don't want to forgive you. So it's like, okay, my place of security is going to be to just keep this in my life. But, but Jesus would say that you need to go and you need to seek forgiveness. Uh, or, or we think, well, that person's got to come to me first. That makes us feel secure. That makes us feel right. It's, it's the way we've done it all our life. But now I'm getting this sense that Jesus is asking me to get out of my boat and go do this thing. So that's, that's one of the things that it means to get out of the boat. But when we read the Bible, God says something totally different about forgiveness, doesn't he? In fact, Pastor Michael's using an illustration downstairs with the kids this morning talking about forgiveness. Jesus said that we're to forgive 70 times 7, right? Pastor Michael printed out 490 times, will you please forgive me, on pieces of paper. He showed it to me this morning to show the kids. This is how many times God told us to forgive another person. So I could just see one of us, right? Oh, there's one. Oh, there's two. We get all the way down to 490. Ah, I'm done. Don't have to forgive that person again. Nope, that's not the point he was making, obviously. But that's part of getting out of the boat. Uh, it can happen in who we are. A couple of times in this message, I've said that God has a purpose for your life. God wants to use you in incredible ways, but you're, you're excusing that, saying, well, God wouldn't want to use me because of these things in my past. Or you don't know uh, the problems that I have. Or you don't know my handicaps. You don't know what I've done. It's, it's for everybody else, not for me. It's just not true. God says to every one of us, I have a purpose and a plan for your life. And so we should do what Peter did. Peter listened to Jesus, and then he did what he said. Okay, so there's this listening. Listen to him. We listen to God through his word. When we read God's word, lots of ways that we could do that. When we read, when we're reading, we're essentially hearing. So we listen to God's word. We, we let it get into our life. And then what? Then we do what it says, right? So we read it. Now, if you're, if you're one of those people that's like, well, I'm not sure I want to do what God tells me. So then you just don't read it. And that's your excuse. No, we need to read it, we need to hear it, and then we need to do it. And, and the same thing is going to be true for us, just as it was for the disciples. Um, it, it, sometimes we think that reading it and, and doing what, well, like the disciples did, there were these miraculous things that they were experiencing that Jesus was doing, and, and we think that, well, maybe he's not really that real because we're not seeing those things in our life, but as we looked at at the very beginning of the message in John chapter 21, there's a whole lot more things that Jesus did and that they experienced him than what we see. I'm guessing life was probably a little bit more mundane for the disciples on a daily basis than what we read in, in the Gospels. We're getting the highlights. Right? This is the these are the trailers of Jesus' life, kind of. 
sometimes, uh, you know, doing what God says and stepping out of the boat is maybe loving your wife and, and, and wash the dishes. That's the message that you get. Love your wife and wash the dishes. That's what you need to do. It's just routine kindness. Now, for some of you, washing the dishes would actually be a greater miracle than for others because it's never been done yet in your house. Um, if you guys remember, those of you that remember Gramps Baker, he used to, his, his biggest thing was uh, in his marriage, the, the best way to show your wife love is, and he would hold up a, a, a bottle of Dawn dishwashing liquid. Right? I mean, that was, that was, that was one of the things that he did. I wish I had never heard that because I feel guilty every time I don't do the dishes. Which, to be honest, is fairly often, unfortunately. Um, but, but see, we, here's the thing. We read about Jesus' life, and we're going to do this in our small groups. We see Jesus take action. Why? Just so that we can see him take action? No. He, he lived his life so that the, we could then live our lives in the same way. So it's... It's, it looks like, getting out of the boat looks like this. It's living a life of faith. I mean, we start doing what Jesus is doing. Jesus is forgiving, so we start forgiving. Jesus is kind, so we start being kind. Jesus cares about the poor, the person no one else cares about. We care the poor for the poor and the people that no one else cares about. Jesus serves, so we serve. That's what it means to have a walk-on-water kind of faith on a daily basis, to get out of the boat. We start doing what Jesus does in this world. That's the first step, leaving our, our comfort zone. The second step is this. It, it is actually stepping out on the water. Um, we step out. We start walking. Peter, verses 29 and 30, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Can you imagine? Some people like to say, well, Jesus was the only one who ever walked on water. That's not a true statement. There was an actual human being who was not God who walked on the water. His name was Peter. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. Now, don't get caught up in that sinking yet. Go back to the beginning and notice those words that Jesus used. Two important words that we need to hear. Jesus, or Peter walked toward Jesus. When he focused on Jesus, he was able to walk on the water. When he focused on the waves and the wind, that's when things didn't go so well. We must, as we walk our daily faith, keep our eyes on Jesus. And not all of these other circumstances. So when you, when, when you hear all of this hoopla and stuff about the virus and it's coming to a town near you, etc., 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 it might be. But I don't have to fear that. I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on the fact that Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and I will take care of you. Whatever that taking care of me looks like. Again, I'm not going to be stupid like the basketball player in the NBA who had, you know thinks he has it, and hugs everybody in the locker room. I mean, seriously. Um, one guy single-handedly shut down the NBA, right? I mean, that, it was going to happen anyway. Two words toward Jesus. Just like Peter had this uh, decision to make, to, listen, to follow the words of Jesus and to go to him, um, 
When, when Peter, or, or to keep his eyes on Jesus, when Peter looked away, it wasn't because he had the power. It wasn't because Peter was the one that was walking on water, obviously. It was the power of Jesus. It was God's power that was allowing Peter to walk on the water. And we have the same kind of choice. Every second of every day, we make the choice of faith. Are we going to focus on our circumstances, or are we going to focus on the one who made us and who is our Savior? Are we going to walk by faith, or are we going to walk by sight? A distraction of that can be fear of a circumstance or trying to finish something or control it. We get obsessed about that one thing and we forget about our Savior. Let's not do that. Our life is about faith. It's about what God wants to do next. So just for a moment, give yourself the freedom to, to, to get your eyes above your circumstances, whatever it might be. It might be a family member. It might be a health issue. Whatever it is, Give yourself permission and the freedom this morning to raise your eyes from your circumstance and ask God, what's the next step of faith for me in this? I mean, God's probably been talking about this to you for a long time. What's the next step of faith that he's asking you to take? That's living this life of faith. Let's remember to focus on Jesus as we take the step. Be sure it's him that you're listening to. Be careful here. Sometimes we can hear another person say what we want to hear said, and we think, well, because they're a Christian, they really they have a special they have a special line to God, and they must be speaking for Him. So I'm okay in making this decision. Let's be sure that it is Him we're listening to. So first, we get out of the boat, then we step out in faith. Third, we have the faith to cry out when we're sinking. When we're sinking, we need to keep calling on Him, not try to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and do this because we, we think we, we know what we're doing. Peter starts to sink and he says, Lord, save me! I mean, he could have been self-conscious. He could have said, well, I can't cry for help. What are the disciples are going to think? I took this step of faith and I actually walked on water and now I'm failing at it. Are they going to laugh at me? Am I going to be the butt of all of their jokes now for the rest of this trip? Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You know, Jesus didn't say, well, he does say you have little faith, though I don't know that's quite as demeaning as I think we read it often. You know, why did you doubt? I think we hear those words too, but Jesus doesn't mean them to shame us. He means them just to simply point out, you can trust me. You didn't need to doubt me. You know, you tried to talk your kid to jumping off of the deck into your arms and you're going to catch them. And, and, and you tell them, look, you... And, and then a friend of theirs comes up, you know, and, and he misses out and the friend jumps and you catch him and it was a great, you know, it was a great ride. Wow, sweet! And you, and you look at your, maybe your own kid and say, why? Why didn't you trust me? And then what happens? They jump off and you're not looking and they fall on the ground and they get hurt and they never trust you again. No. Um, they most likely jump off then into your arms. It's like, see, you can trust me. I said I would catch you and I did. That's what, that's what Jesus says. You can trust me. If I ask you to do this, you can do it. 
Peter said, tell me to come to you so I can walk on water. And Jesus said, okay, come to me. And Peter did. And, he, and what happened? He did. He walked on water. And then he lost focus. He failed. And we're going to fail too. But instead of feeling shame, we need to recognize that there is forgiveness and that Jesus will, when we cry for help, he will immediately reach out and help us. Some of us might have a faith that can't face failure. Let's have a faith that can face failure. I mean, we are human beings, right? We're going to sink sometimes. And we can have the but we can have the faith, the kind of faith that can face failure. And we face it by crying out, Lord, save me. God knows. He knows every success and failure in your life before it even happens. Um, Jesus knew Peter. Jesus knew his success. He knew every failure, and yet he still deeply loved him. In the video clip, we, they, they show Jesus holding a rock. Interesting use of, of what we see there, because who, what does Peter become in the end? He becomes the rock. <laughs> Upon this rock, Jesus says, I will build my church. And he was talking about Peter. Now, I don't know if he did that. Probably not. But it's good to think about the fact that Jesus knew going into this situation. He already knew. And it's true of you and me. He already knows. He already knows. God knows you. And he still is calling to you. If you're still wrestling with stepping across that line of faith, because, because of who you are or what you've done in the past, you need to hear, cry out to him, Lord, save me. And he will. He will reach into your life and he will save you. What happened to Peter in the future? I mean, he preached. Thousands of people came to Christ. Jesus knew that was coming. Jesus knew what he had done. Jesus also knew that he was going to deny him three times. In a profane way, no less. He also knew that there would be a day when, when Peter thought to himself there was a certain people group that shouldn't be saved because they're Gentiles. Peter failed. Did Jesus not call him because he knew that? No, he called him. And it's the same as true for us. This last week you had a failure. Or maybe it wasn't this last week. Maybe it was this last year or even decades ago. Some failure, and you're looking at it right now, it's a mountain of failure. And you think that's going to stay there for the rest of my life. You know what? You can surrender that and cry out to Jesus to clear that mountain away, and he will do just that. Jesus gets out of Jesus gets out of our Jesus gets us out of our boats, doesn't he? When we trust him, he changes and he challenges us. He changes he changes the world. I mean, I'm going to think about that statement all week long. In that dramatic way, with that music. Because that's how amazing it that that truth is.
Jesus has changed the world. So this last statement as the, as the worship team comes up for our last song. If he got into your boat today, and you heard him calling your name, and you believed for the first time today, I, I want you to let us know. Write it on your Connect card and put it in the offering plate, which will be at, the, at one of the doors as you're exiting this morning. We're not going to pass the plate this morning. Just again, avoiding that transfer of whatever. Uh, which, you know, you think about it, that's not necessarily a terrible idea to do even during regular flu season, but... Um, put, put it on your Connect card. Email me. Send me a text message. Hey, Pastor Dave, um, Sunday, yeah, that was the day. For, for, for weeks or months or years, I felt Jesus stepping into my boat. And today, today I, I put my faith and trust in Him as my Savior. Uh, while He's doing His thing, um, out there on the table is the small group material for our small groups coming up this week. If you're in one, if you're not in one, let me know and we'll try and get, we can get you in one. Um, there are study guides on the left-hand side. There's only 12 of them. Those are for the Bible study leaders. Only, only Bible study leaders take one of those. Uh, leaders take a DVD. Or um, if, you, if you led last time we did the, a series like this, you can get it on Caleb's YouTube channel. It'll be up there. Um, if you now have a smart TV and you didn't have one before, uh, get a hold of me and we can help you get that and find it so you can watch it on your TV at home. If you're not in a small group and you're gonna, and you, but you want to follow along in the small group series with us, we printed, plint, we printed plenty of the study guides that are on the right-hand side of the table. Take one of those. Uh, if you're in a small group, maybe you might want to check with your small group leader to see whether they grabbed you a study guide or whether you need to grab a study guide this morning. Uh, again, I think it's going to be a great series, and I think we're going to learn a lot.